This is Chelsea Wingo. And I'm Amy Covell. And this is our podcast, Hashtag Life Goals. How can we visually represent that to them in a really intuitive, easy to read way where they don't have to read 50 pages of instructions before they start to dive into it? Each week, we examine one of our life goals and figure out what steps we need to take to make them a reality. So it's somebody that is still getting publishing deals even during the COVID-19. People are home. I got time to read. Exactly. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. That's very sweet. So come join us. It's going to be fun. Hello, everybody. I'm Amy Covell. And I'm Chelsea Wingo. And you're listening to Hashtag Hashtag Life Goals. Goals. Oh, my gosh. It's sorry. It. I'm having a moment here. Because <laughs> we were able to do it in sync this time? Yes. Because we're in person this time? Yes. Still social distancing to an extent. <laughs> so this is the first time we've actually recorded together in like three months. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Holy Moly. Mac. <laughs> I was about to say holy mac and cheese, but that's so cringy. I was like, no, no, but holy crap is more fitting. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, Amy's giving me a disapproving look. <laughs> I mean, we're we're still we're still mid pandemic. Yes. You know, we're recording this and things are just starting to open up. I still think they're opening up way too soon. Okay. Um mm-hmm. I can see that. But that's neither here nor there, mm-hmm. um, but we still have a show to do. Yes, we do, and this was an opportunity of where we can actually record together after a while of doing, you know, social distancing in our apartments. And I mean, I'm calling myself out here, but of course, when I came in and I saw Don and Amy <laughs> and Rex, which is Amy's pooch, who is now being well behaved for the first time in a long time. I started tearing up. I don't know why, but I started crying. Amy said, I would not have expected anything less from you, Chelsea. <laughs> she got a little emotional. Of course I did. I'm the emotional branch of this As of this you team. should when you see me. <laughs> just you. Nobody else. Just you. Correct. What about Rex and Dawn? <laughs> okay. All right. So let's let's just do a little quick rehab. Um, yes. Recaps. Let's keep it. Let's Easy. keep it short. I yes. know it's been three months since I've seen you. Yes. But how are you doing? How's life? Mm-hmm. What's up? I'm good. Um, I have been alone for the last few months because my roommates have went back home during quarantine. So that's been an interesting experience. I. Because my gyms are closed, uh, applying yoga prevail. I miss you. I've had to find alternative uh, things to do for working out. And I find myself wanting to be outside and working out more than normal, which is interesting. So I've been focusing on that, you know, getting that nice quarantine bod by the time I get out. I just recently got a gig for the first time in a while. I mean, it's little pay, but it's going to get there and it's been keeping me busy, which is great. And I have a couple of interviews lined up for maybe some other opportunities. So things are now starting to seem to go up the roller coaster, shall we say. All right, Amy, it's your turn. And I know you've been, (laughs) even in quarantine, you have been a busy working bee. I have been. So me as well, we talked about Corey went home for quarantine. So I am Mm -hmm. living alone as well in quarantine and I am fucking loving it <laughs> ah, yes. oh my god uh we <laughs> this can go Corey. on for months like i would be happy to be in quarantine the rest of summer 
Um, but yeah, I'm still really busy doing production accounting and pay- and now I'm also doing payroll servicing and so that hasn't stopped. I've also had three of my movies um, come out in the last I two saw weeks. That. So uh, you can catch Collision Earth. Um, Collision Earth was uh, showing on the Sci-Fi Channel. I tried to catch it, but like the day that the magazine said it was going to be on, it wasn't on. But it's supposed to be on Sci-Fi Channel. Um, You can also buy, rent it wherever you get your digital media. Same with Fast and Fierce Death Race, which I have a guest role in as well as being the second assistant director. Nice. And then a zombie movie that I did three years ago that was my first feature in L.A. Of course, zombies. Finally, finally being distributed. It comes out June 4th on Crackle. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's been really, uh, oh, oh, and. And? And the digital soap opera I did last fall is up for six daytime Emmys. Wow. Yes, Rex, I know. Thank you, Rex. Yes, no, why am I saying thank you? It's not my achievement at Amy's, but no, that's awesome. I was thanking him him for speaking up for it. Yes, exactly. But But yeah, so my career is going like haywire right now in a good way that's good and i've got lots of things coming down the pipeline i've turned down three film productions in quarantine because i didn't think that it was appropriate and it's not the right time and we're Mm -hmm. not ready to go back Uh, but if this is how busy i am during quarantine Mm -hmm. that only bodes well for when the restrictions are fully lifted Yep, yep yep and you know some of the producers I'm working for, they keep talking to me about basically they want me on there full time. They want me to be salary. So mm-hmm. there's a lot going right now That's for me. That's good. That's really good. I'm um, very happy for you. So, yeah, I'm rocking and rolling in this pandemic. Yep. Yep. I came home from New Mexico excited to like pull up a chair and some popcorn and watch the world burn. And that hasn't quite happened, but uh, other exciting things have instead. That's good. Focus on the positive. Yes. But we did have a special delivery this morning. Oh, yes, we did. Uh, One of our... I I was about to say you're late, but but he's not dead. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I was going to say that. But our our previous previous audio engineer, Marcus, who we hope he and Nico are doing well. We miss you and we love you. He sent Amy a package today and he's got a little note. Yeah. (laughs) So Marcus um, crochets as his side hustle. I'm sure we we talked about it on the show with him. We've seen posts. We've shown posts. Yeah. And... One of the projects he did I thought was so adorable. And so I got the pattern from him and gave it to my mom and asked her to make it for me. And she was so frustrated by this pattern. She was like, I give up. Call Marcus. I will pay him for it. And so Marcus sent me my No Drama Llama, which we will post to our social media, along with a cute little note. Please read it. Amy and mom. (laughs) This has truly been the most insane time for all of us, but I am so, so, so thankful for friends like you. Making this llama has provided me with some much needed light and happiness at this time, and I am truly thankful for your support. Stay safe and enjoy your new friend, Marcus. Uh, What are you going to name it? I think I got to name it Marcus. I think so, too. Yeah, I was about to say. Right? (laughs) So that was... 
really exciting to have that at my doorstop this morning. Yay! It's fabulous. But without further ado, yes. are you ready to jump into this topic? What's our topic today, yes. Chelsea? Our topic today is hashtag publishing. Ooh, if you all remember, a while back we did hashtag novelist with our friend Morgan, who is a um, sorry, let me self part a self published poet. Yes, she's a self published poet, and she's had number one rated books on Amazon, and she's been doing really well. So we had her on for an episode, which is so fun. So then we thought, hmm, maybe we should turn into publishing and get more into those kinds of details. Yeah, let's dive in a little deeper. We stuck our toe in with hashtag novelist, and we talked about like some of the you know the pitfalls of, you know, trying to write your first book. Yep, yep. And now it's like, well, how do you get it published? Yes. And there's different varieties of publishing. Yes. But publishing. Do you like how I pronounce that there? Different varieties of I think of we're going to see a lot of that this episode. Are you... Mm. I feel dumb now. <laughs> Let's just move forward from that, please. All right. So I d- dived in and did the research for hashtag publishing. Yes, you did. And so first we're going to, of course, start with some statistics. Love it. From Statista, in a 2018 study, the total number of self-published books released in the U.S. was 1.68 million. There were 675 million print books sold. Mm. And the e-book unit sales in the U.S. were 162 million. Ah, yeah. I keep forgetting about e-books versus print print books. books Because I prefer print books. But so many people are going to e-books these days. You know, the thing is, is the studies show that people prefer print books, but have moved over to e-books a lot of times for simplicity's sake, uh, for the convenience or for the eco-friendliness of it. I... I like reading a print book, but I buy, I would say, 90% of my books in ebook form. Yeah. I try not to buy new books in print form. I, try to save trees I, and save room in my house. No, I, I unfortunately am the opposite. I don't read as often as I used to, but I do love the feel and texture and also displaying my books. Uh, I, I read a variety. I read novels, you know, research well, books and then also manga which is another whole spectrum well but. you you're in my house right now and you can see how many books yeah. i have mm-hmm. this is only about 10 percent of what i used to own in I physical books that, yeah and this is a major reason why i had to move to digital yeah. also i really strongly moved to digital when i was in my back brace mm-hmm. in college because um carrying textbooks is hard on the back. Yeah. So as many of my textbooks as I could get in digital format, I did. So I would have to carry less with me. Makes sense. I think the other thing, though, for me is that because I'm staring at screens a lot. Right. You need that switch. Eyes. I need that switch. So that's why I prefer more of the print. But it's understandable of the ebook phenomenon. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. And then on a website called buildbookbuzz.com, they gave some <laughs> book publishing statistics from 2019. Mm. They said Amazon sells 83% of the ebooks purchased in the U.S. Does not surprise me. Almost one quarter, so 24% of revenue for ebooks on Amazon is from indie books. So indie books are basically self-published books. 
books that aren't coming from a major publisher, just like Ooh. indie movies or movies made outside of the studio system. Mm-hmm. 2018 publisher sales by format were broken down to 45% were print books, 24.5% were ebooks, and 14.5% were instructional material. 13.7% were downloaded audio. And 2.2% were physical audio or different format. So like books on tape or books on CD. Gotcha. In 2018, there were 45,200 writers and authors in the U.S. Hmm. Only 21% of the full-time published authors in 2018 earned all of their income from books. So Mm -hmm. it sounds like it's uh, pretty difficult to be a full-time author. (laughs) need to have some lucky strike like jk rowling so this was pulled together from a couple of the sources i saw okay so the mystery slash thriller slash crime Mm -hmm. and romance novels they're the most popular genres yep Uh, the most popular in nonfiction is the bible or religious books that makes sense too right because a lot of those books are what you would consider fast reads and so mm-hmm. they're good escapisms. And so people who may yeah. not be avid readers may still pick up a romance or a crime novel when they get on a plane. Yep. Yep, definitely. There's definitely been a few books that even if I don't read them right away, I take them with me because I know I can escape for a few hours or so. And that being said, James Patterson is not only the most famous author apparently at this time and most uh, successful author, he's also the richest author. <laughs> Even richer than J.K. Rowling? Sorry. The, the reason that I'm asking all these J.K. Rowling questions is I did a report on her a long, long time ago for school. So I, like, read all this research about her and wrote all her statistics. You got to remember, like so, J.K. Yeah. Rowling's come out with, what, 12 books? That is true, yeah. And James Patterson probably does that. He probably comes out with 15 books a year. 15 books a year, yeah. I was about to say, like, 20-fold or something like that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. exactly. Yeah, see, this is, again, how little my book knowledge is, and this is why we're doing this episode to expand it even more. Why did I go with that voice? I don't know. <laughs> but apparently we've walked into a haunted mansion. <laughs> All right. Next article I found was from authoritypublishing.com and it said reasons why self-publishing kicks butt over traditional publishing. Ooh, I like this. On average, traditional publishers pay authors about $1.25 per book in royalties. Mm -hmm. So if your book sells for $20, you earn just over a buck. When you publish yourself, your book printing and distribution costs might run around $4 a book. So if you sell a book for $20, you earn 5 to $10, depending on the retail outlet, and $16 if you sell it yourself. Mm-hmm. If you want to buy copies of your own books from your traditional publisher, expect to pay 40 to 50% off of the retail price. When you self-publish, you buy your books at cost. Book advances are like unicorns. These days, publishers are paying less and less to acquire books. The average author with a first-time book deal can expect to receive an advance of 5000 to 15000 Once your book is released, you won't see another dime until you've earned back that advance, $1.25 at a time, mm. until the advance is paid in full. <laughs> Maintaining control. Once you sign with a traditional publisher, they essentially own all the creative control over your work. 
one of the benefits of traditional publishing used to be that you would get bookstore placement. With 70% of book sales happening online now and with the rise of ebooks, bookstore placement no longer has the impact on sales it once had. Traditional publishers require rights to your book, your print book, and your ebook. You will be forbidden to sell or distribute your book in ebook format yourself. Many new authors wrongly assume that a traditional publisher is going to play an active role in marketing books. Unfortunately, this is rarely true. Mm-hmm. They might set up a few like book signings or um, speaking, you know, some radio spots, but mm-hmm. they're not really fully marketing your book. Yeah. So they said, if you're going to have to market it yourself anyway, mm-hmm. might as well get more money for it. Yeah. Reprint whatever you want when you self-publish. Tweet, blog, post, share publisher if you have a publisher you've got to get permission to reprint your own work and there's a good chance they will not allow you to do so and lastly it can take years to land an agent and a publisher and sell your manuscript Mm -hmm. if you self-publish you could be hitting bookshelves in three months like that yeah Mm -hmm. my goodness well i mean these are the times where especially during this lockdown and pandemic a lot of businesses and how they run and everything are changing and everything's going more towards remote or self-publishing absolutely so i would not it would not surprise me if this is direction if this is the main direction that maybe books and that form will go towards correct i mean i have several friends that are Mm self-published and um actually don't know any I don't think I have any friends who work with a publisher that are writers. Mm-hmm. But anyways, we're not the experts. No, we're not at all. Let's bring on our guest. Without further ado, I would love to introduce our guest for today, Margaret Cogswell. Please say hi. Hello. How are you? Doing very well. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's not very nice weather outside, but it's great inside. Okay, that's that's good. At least it's good inside. If it was bad inside, then we would be. Yeah. <laughs> Margaret, will you tell our audience where you're located? Yes, please. Because it is sunny sure. in Southern California. I'm in uh, I'm in Greenville, South Carolina, so I'm completely on the opposite end of the country from you. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. I was yes, almost yes. going to be there this week. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. One of the movies I turned down doing was originally going uh-huh. to be shooting in. Do you remember? In one of the Carolinas. No, I don't remember right now. I, I, I mean, I get them confused. I mean, I used to go to Key I've been for to Greenville. summer and then I would go to North Carolina for college. So I sometimes get right. confused. I mean, I've, I've, I've been to both of the Carolinas. Yes. I've been to Greenville. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they were going to be shooting in the Carolinas and I was thinking about doing it. And then they switched to shooting in Florida. And oh, I was no. like, fuck no. No. Florida is just pissing all over any COVID regulations. No, it's just, it's setting up a bad example. Yeah, I'm like, I'm safer at home. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, Margaret, please introduce who you are and what you do and why you are the expert of this episode today and not us. <laughs> uh, sure. So um, I am a book designer, web designer, generally a designer, a business owner, entrepreneur, um, and I help many, many of my clients self-publish their own books because 
uh, oftentimes it can be easier to have a team of people. Mm -hmm. uh, that article that you read, the last one that you read about why self-publishing is so great, like beats traditional publishing, every single point was spot on. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I like how you point out that self-publishing doesn't have to always be completely on your own by yourself. You can pull a team together mm -hmm. to make it happen. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's a lot easier depending on uh, what type of book you're publishing. Like not every book is a chapter book. Um, sometimes you have children's books. Sometimes mm -hmm. you have people who want to do journals or planners. And that takes someone who actually knows what they're doing to help you move through that process. Um, otherwise, it's kind of like a shot in the dark, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you know what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting goodness. yourself into a mire there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I've been doing this since 2012. Um, I've been, I started my first job at a uh, book publishing company, a children's book publishing company. And that's where I really learned um, not only the, the mechanics of book layout design and then the mechanics of publishing. Um, but I also learned about entrepreneurship because it was a small business and my boss was really transparent about the management of the business. Oh, that's and nice. So, yeah, it was cool. It was a really good learning experience. Nice. Yeah. Um, and in 2015, I added on web design um, because the same principles of layout design apply in both spaces. Interesting. Um, you need to understand how something works on a quote unquote page in front of you, right? Mm -hmm. um, for both things. My so. roommate in college um, was going to school for graphic design at Academy of Art. Mm -hmm. Art and, um, and Myra, she's done my graphic design for some of like my projects and she did the graphic design for my resume. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> It was always fascinating to yeah. watch her work on all of these different things, working in Illustrator and doing all of the layouts, um, because it seems like simple. Yeah, but it's not. No, it's not at all. I mean, and I like the placement of things makes such a difference, yes. not just to how natural it looks to the eye, mm -hmm. but also to like where you're drawing the eye. Yep. yep. Um, and like, you know, just simple things like where certain things are supposed to be placed, how mm -hmm. big something should be. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. No, definitely. I mean, I've taken a couple courses uh, in college when learning, you know, HTML code for like specifically web design because that's, you know, what I know of. And then also now with like, I'm in the middle of like maybe starting to redesign and rebrand my website and my resume and the whole placement, the coloring and where to draw the eye. It is super, super important. You think you could, have, oh, just slap this here, slap it there and I have something. But if it, but it doesn't turn out well, you have to plan it out because it needs to be visually appealing to draw right. in the customer. Because if it's not, they're going to move on to the next thing and then you're out of business. Yeah. And since my most of my career is not focused around my work as a visual artist. Mm -hmm. um, that's not as important for my website. And so I decided to make my life easy <laughs> and use um, Adobe's uh, website platform that's more of a portfolio style mm -hmm. because then I didn't need to put a lot of 
like time and effort into designing the perfect web page, mm. you know, and because it's portfolio style, it leaves me the options to showcase all of the different things that I do, not just my main career. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the one that I use specifically is Squarespace because they have the different templates, but then it's easily you can easily move the text, move your media move what you want and to make it seem like the perfect layout. So it's a little bit more hands-on, but they're still guiding you to be a little bit more simple. What is your favorite um, web platform to recommend to clients, Margaret? Uh, hands down, WordPress. WordPress, okay. <laughs> yeah. An yeah. oldie but a goodie. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, they've obviously done a lot of updates recently. Um, the Gutenberg editors, getting better uh it's not my favorite i like to use divi um the theme divi which is a great um page builder mm -hmm. uh but i just like it most of the clients that i work with they need the scalability of wordpress and then mm -hmm. the um the ease of use of divi layered on top of that makes it really easy for them to take their stuff and run with it once i've done my job of you know creating a visual strategy and mm -hmm. uh, getting it up there and making it look polished and professional and making sure everything works and functions properly. Right. Um, it's really nice. So they're not basically, so they're not um, tied to me having to do one little oh. word change or something, you know? Right. That was something I was struggling with. Like I felt bad every time I had to reach out to Myra because I had to update my website, <laughs> to uh, update my resume. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but now I have Illustrator, and so she sent me the AI files so I can just go in and do it myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I use Pages for my latest resume, and I just make it as simple as possible with, like, the black and white. But I do have the pop of red and the certain things, so that's, like, my bold color of kind of, like, the text box and maybe where my name is or, like, the outline. But I, I try to go simple, professional, like, with my resume and as well as my website, <laughs> even though I'm a kooky, crazy person on the inside. <laughs> I'm a first color of rainbows but plain and simple professional presentation <laughs> so margaret before we dive more into publishing mm -hmm. i do want to ask kind of specifically the difference in doing like you said for example like someone who's designing you know a journal or a planner yeah. like because i would have thought that more is like just a product mm -hmm. um you know manufacturing um but like where's that crossover between product manufacturing and publishing yeah i'm curious about that uh, so the, the, the job of the designer, um, when it comes to a journal or a planner or something like that is to understand the space that you're working with on the page and, um, how you can, how you can visually, uh, represent what I, what I like to call like activities or interactivities. I studied game design, so I'm super into interactivity <laughs> and I think yeah. you can have it. And, Two gamers um, right here. Sorry? Two, Two gamers. gamers. We oh, heck yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I just got finished playing Divinity 2 with my friends. Ah. Uh, I am deep into Borderlands 3 right now. Yes. My I, husband and I are getting ready to start that. I got Final Fantasy 7, the remake, and I also got Persona 5, which I have yet to dive into, but I'm super excited to do so. Right, so back to what you were talking about with kind of with uh, journal yes. and products. You were talking how you're really into game interactivity and game design. And how do they interact with the page? Uh, interactivity on the page. What are they doing? What, what are they engaging in? 
with this journal, with this planner? Um, and then how can we visually represent that to them in a really intuitive, easy to read way where they don't have to read 50 pages of instructions before they start to dive into it? Um, it's almost like being a good user interface designer. You you have to understand how your person, your client, your customer is going to be interacting with that product. So that's the job of a designer. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to production and manufacturing, from a self-publishing standpoint, um, they just do the thing. They just print the thing that you give them. So. Um, Really, it's your it's you and your designer who are working out how everything is set up. Do you have tabs? Do you have pockets? What are they for? Do you have stickers? What are those for? <laughs> All of that. Really, your designer should be able to lead you through the mm -hmm. function of those things and then create a visual representation of those things yeah. and then hand those files off to your printer and the printer mm -hmm. just prints them yeah not yeah. to downplay what they do it's very important <laughs> no, no, but no, no. right fine. right okay. yeah no as uh one of the things that i do buy a lot um but when they're not books um i do like to buy a lot of planners i like to buy a lot of journals so i am definitely someone that is very drawn to one that is you know visually well represented along with the nice tabs and the stickers so when you're talking about it, it's just like because that those things make <laughs> see me happy. i love all of those things but i have had to put a kibosh on my purchasing of any of those things yeah. because i find they lie around and don't get used because i move too fast for yep. life to stop and like yeah, write down I, 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 it's like a mixture sometimes i use it a lot sometimes i don't it depends on the week and the day but also because uh i am someone that writes constantly i'm just grabbing whatever journal or anything i can so i have like five half filled See, that would drive me around so i just grab whatever i can and fill it out because i just don't have and time to the, organize everything. the control freak in me that drives me nuts but <laughs> and that's so that's so i have to tell you that is so common that that is something that myself and my business manager manager Camille, we really, uh, we really help our clients address that obstacle because mm -hmm. it's true. It's there. People buy journals, planners, you know, they get all stoked and they'll buy like five of them in, de in December or something. Right. And by January 15th, they're piled under all of your mail yeah, to yeah. collecting dust, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one of the things that we do is, is before just jumping into making the thing, we help you strategize on how you're going to sell it and then how it's actually usable to your customer. Um, because you want to make it really easy to use. So they actually get something out of it. Otherwise it is just going to sit there and you're never going to, they're never going to do anything with it. And then you lose out on, you know, product testimonials and, great reviews and stuff because you've got a product that someone looks at it and says, uh, it's just like way too much effort to actually get into this thing. And you just don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to sell a product like that. So I exactly. mean, because I know that I, they sit around and don't get used. Um, I, try not to buy them anymore but i did recently buy something that is getting a lot of use <laughs> she's holding it in her hands right now i know i went and grabbed it from my desk i got a, a giant notebook that's supposed to be used as a mouse pad mm. ah. and it says let's do this at the top and it's a spot for me to write my to-do list right on my mouse pad while i'm working and it's got 
categories and check boxes to use. I actually don't use the check boxes. I cross them out. <laughs> and it's got categories as gotta do, do or die, ought to do, yep. wanna do, mm -hmm. never ever do, and it has a section to doodle. Yeah, no, that's, that sounds very Amy. Is that, that sounds like something that would be from like Urban Decay. Or right? Something. Yeah, it's a, I, yeah. That sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah, unfortunately. I'm going to need I you to send me a link to buy that. It's that amazing. Because <laughs> at the end of the week, it's usually pretty full. And so then that weekend, I see what what's done on it and I cross it off and I see what else I can easily get done on it, cross that off. And then I rip off the page and go to the next one and move any of the mm -hmm. to-dos that were not completed that week onto the next week. And that's very obviously a really intentional design and a really intentionally produced product. Yes. Right. No, that, that, yeah. that actually A lot is, of thought went into that. It's probably yeah. one of my favorite things that I've bought uh, in quarantine so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking at it, I love it too. If it had like little arch to rest your wrist on, then I would love it even more because I'm fortunately, if I don't have the like keyboard wrist or that kind of thing with the mouse, my wrists start cramping up with like arthritis. Oh, see because, those. So I can't. The wrist, can't the that. wrist uh, lifts are horrible for me. Uh, I need them for me personally because <laughs> I'm sitting at a computer editing most of the day. So I need that in order so that way I don't have any more pain in my body because I already had a shoulder injury from a long long time ago i don't need any more pain hey i got pins in my wrists i get yes, you girl that's true yes exactly you actually have metal in your body i do <laughs> i do like wolverine yes yes, yes. uh <laughs> the bionic woman is what we used to call me once yeah. i got ah, started okay. getting the metal in yes exactly <laughs> Uh, so random question i thought i thought of um out of all of the products you have helped design or helped your clients with do you have any favorites that you love going back to or are there ones that also you're just like I don't know but we'll do it anyway just um I I have worked on a series that's uh got several number one international Amazon bestseller status whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. um accolades I've really enjoyed yeah I've really enjoyed working on that series um nice. There's been quite a few websites that I really enjoy. Um, I do work with a, a pretty large range of people um, in different industries. So yeah, I saw on your resume, girl. Like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, um, the same sort of principles apply, right? Mm -hmm. Really, where it changes is the the business strategy behind um, the branding and, and, and the visual strategy. So when I build a website or when I build a book, I'm not just making something pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm creating a visual strategy to lead your customer through the journey to where they buy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's what a, that's what a good designer, that's what a good designer should be helping you do. Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to just making something pretty because right. mm -hmm. you like, might as well just like, you That's know. the difference between just art and marketing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's, I always call it the difference between art and design because art, I feel like you do for yourself yeah. um, and, and you get a lot of joy out of the create, creative process and everything. Design is very commercial. And it's um, intentional. So you, yes, it's intentional. You have to consider the end user in your process. So, um, 
I completely lost my train of thought. No, no, that's totally fine. It's just, uh, this is also a random thought that came into my head that I thought it's felt a little similar of kind of what you were discussing of like between art and design. Uh, one of my other passions that I do is that I write. And one of the things I would love to be able to do is to be a screenwriter. And thinking about that, it's kind of with screenwriting, you know, there's different formats. There's web series, there's TV, there's there's film. They are kind of are in the way of saying, following, they might be different, but they follow kind of the same structure as you were talking about, which if you do it right, it leads to the customer or the client wanting to read it and then wanting to create it into a product, AKA film or TV show, that kind of thing. So I was thinking of that, oh, that's interesting how that similarity kind of works around all different platforms. I used <laughs> to love to point out to my employees like Chelsea when <laughs> I was a retail manager, um, <laughs> why the hangers go in the direction they do. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a correct way and a wrong way. Please explain To <laughs> hang, hang something on a front facing Mm -hmm. um, apparatus in a retail store yeah. and the hanger should always look like a question mark yes. not the opposite way because it's creating a question mark over the item which psychologically makes the person think about buying it I remember this <laughs> see I never would have thought about it that way I just know that if it was the other way I would look at it and think that's wrong <laughs> yeah, see, like, unconsciously your mind is already thinking of those things it's making those Correct. instincts yeah uh, yeah those connections decisions. yeah it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's so yep. oh my goodness <laughs> so what so i know you work a lot with book does like book cover design like mm -hmm. what should people who are planning on self-publishing know before going into that process Oh, that is an excellent question for which I have the perfect little mini e-course. It's free. It's on my website. It's I cover I cover the basics of um, what you should know so that you can what you should know so that you can work easily with your designer to achieve a great cover. And I'm not really, I know a lot of people choose self-publishing because it, it can be cheaper. I'm not really, obviously I'm biased, but I'm not really a proponent of DIYing your cover because it's really important. Right. A cover is like a first kiss or a handshake, right? Like you don't want to mess that up. It's that first impression. Yes, totally. Someone is going to look at that and be like, well, that's worth it or that's not worth it. Mm -hmm. It it a lot hinges on it. Uh, hinge it. See, you get I, it. Do you get what I did there? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Hinges. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. But so, that's absolutely um, true. Even when like you're shopping for a CD or you're yeah. browsing movies on Netflix, yep. the 100% the cover photo is sometimes what grabs you. Yeah. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's just look at the photo and be like, I don't know anything about this movie, but I like how it's being presented to right. me. Right, or Let's I like watch. the aesthetic. Yes, exactly. Right. If it's a and, like, and the cover can communicate so much about the actual content that's inside. There's, if you look at, if you go onto Amazon and you look at a particular genre of book, you'll see a lot of similarities between the covers in that genre. And that's oh, very purposeful. Yes, I mean, if you've seen like all the Star Wars and like, 
Yeah, and then mm-hmm. I think they also did like uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. They've they've used the Star Wars aesthetic for a lot mm-hmm. of movies in that kind of similar genre. And the same with yeah, like the books because, because they're speaking to that client. Exactly. Right. And they, it's used almost co- at least like a couple yeah, times Yeah, think about year. every romance novel that has a, you know, half-dressed man on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello, Fabio like, made like, a whole career on that. <laughs> That like historical crime thrillers, right? Always yes. have, not always, but often have some some old parchment mm-hmm. and maybe a quill. And a magnifying and, glass. Yep, and a, yep, yep, yep. And someone, maybe a, a silhouette of a lady and a, with, mm-hmm. and a dress with a bustle. Like, yep, you know, yep. and it's then, all and the, those kinds of elements yep, that let you know what's exactly. inside. And the romance, they always have like the man on one side, the woman on the other, like looking away and like half yep. faded and then some sort of like mm-hmm. visual representation of them together it's uh. which is so funny because the only romance novels i really read are nora roberts and her book design is completely the opposite of that very true she never ever has people on her book covers Mm. it's always an aesthetic that leads to the feel of the place Mm. that the story takes place and see that sets her apart a bit because it becomes it becomes so a lot of women they like reading the romance novels not just for the you know the hot raunchy bits right but for the whole um atmosphere of the book right and the sort of escapism so she's selling the escapism not just the sex absolutely yep yep and that sets her apart absolutely and that's why and having a good designer really helps you nail that (laughs) (laughs) yeah because like i'm not drawn to the raunch the the raunchy romances um i i'm actually very uh i it's almost like i have that kind of jaded reaction when i I see like the book covers with like fabio on the cover i'm like ugh romance novels I don't know. Moving Fabio's on. a I mean, little much for me. But once you've seen one sex pack, you've kind of seen them all. Yeah, so no, it's true. Sorry. It's gonna Sorry. take a little That's more. That's why than guys that. will look at every boob offered, but girls never want to see stranger dick. <laughs> what would your first piece of advice be for someone who wants to self-publish? Like what direction would you point them in? Um so I would, there are two things, two really big things. Well, I'll say three. All right. There are three really big things that I would say. And I'm, I know you asked for one, but I don't know how to prioritize these. So they're just happening. Go ahead. Um, so the, the very first thing I would say is if you want to self-publish, get up early. I know everyone says that i know there's tons of books on it but the fact is the whole world is working selling producing and creating in the morning don't waste that time if you want to achieve a goal plan to build that goal and work on that goal from 7 to 11 somewhere in there and you'll be like 90 you'll be ahead of 90 percent of the population um the second tip is if this is your very, very first time ever, so this is a lot more practical. If it's your very first book ever, 
check out Amazon KDP. There are a lot of self-publishing companies out there. There are a lot of vanity presses that will, I'll just throw some shade here. They overcharge. They don't follow through on the marketing that they're supposed to be doing for you. And literally, they're called vanity presses because it's just for the sake of having an imprint on your book, right? And no oh, one's to no have one it, cares. To, to look like there's a publisher of it, even though right. you really did a lot of the work yourself. 100%. And, and the fact is, is that if your book is good, no one cares. No one cares. Right. doesn't matter. So don't pay. I mean, I've literally had clients come to me and they've, they're tens of thousands of dollars in the hole from paying someone like that to do the same job that I do or that other book designers do for like less than that. Pennies <laughs> we'll on say. the dollar, not, essentially. Not $30,000, right? Right. Um, so that's a that's a big thing amazon kdp it's really easy it's great for beta testing there's very very little upfront costs um yes the trade-off is that you don't get as many choices when it comes to binding well you get one choice right so amazon kdp really only does uh soft cover or paperback um so there are other printers out there who will do hardback but again just depending on the genre of your book you don't really necessarily need something more than paperback, especially if it's your first time. Right. So just do the easiest thing with the fewest obstacles in front of you just so you can get it out there. And then you can always print a second edition that's, you know, hardback or, you know, has some cool reading guide in the back of it or has gold embossed letters on the cover which no one cares about right like again it's, <laughs> Especially it's super cool jacket and, is usually over it <laughs> yeah it's really pretty but it's just not going to change whether someone actually likes your book or not mm. so um that's my my second tip my third tip is um so and this is this is for writers and artists in general since i am an artist um it's not really a it's not really like a life hack so much as a life lesson but the biggest best piece of advice i could give is take personal responsibility mm -hmm. there are so many people who want to do the thing and there are so many free tools and resources out in the world that there's just there's very few reasons not to actually go through with the thing that you want to do um, like, you know, by comparison, right, Nelson Mandela wrote a bunch of his autobiography secretly while he was stuck in prison. So when people say, oh, I really want to write a book and but I just don't have time. That's just not really true. You have um, to make you the have time. To take, yeah. Yes, you, you have to take personal responsibility to do the thing and and not to sound harsh, but no one, no one but you cares about how hard it is for you to put aside that time. And the only person you're hurting by not doing it is yourself. Yeah. So in the end, you have to ask yourself, like, what sort of person do I need to be? What sort of personal responsibility do I need to take? to create the life I want and reach the achievements I aspire to, including publishing a book. And then you have to be willing to do the work. And that's it. 
I'm yeah. off my soapbox now. <laughs> I have, you know, Chelsea and I have talked about how we both have so many different interests mm-hmm. and things that we like to do. And as I've gotten older, I've had to learn how I prioritize them because there's not enough time in the world for me to do everything yeah. I want to do. So mm-hmm. that's how a lot of like the things that I am passionate about have turned more into hobbies because as a mm-hmm. hobby, it's okay if I don't pick it up for three years mm-hmm. and right. do it yeah. because it's not a goal yeah, yeah. it's something right. that when i do do it i'm doing it just for myself i'm sitting here mm-hmm. staring at an unfinished painted mannequin right now but you know what i'm still proud of what's on there and mm-hmm. i never want to feel pressure to pick that up i want to pick it up when that's what i feel like doing i feel like painting yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Well, and I think that's the difference between a passion and a goal. Like, right. I totally agree with you. Like, you need passions that don't have those restrictions and limitations and, you know, all your feelings bound up in it. You just get to do it and feel really good while you're doing it. And yeah. that's awesome. Everyone needs that. Yeah. But when it comes to your goals, the more structured you are, the more likely you are to actually reach that thing. Yeah, no, I feel like that's something I actually am kind of, I don't want to say now I'm struggling with, but I'm trying to change a little bit because my passion that I want that I'm gonna, excuse me, turn into a goal is to <laughs> become a writer. I scream. Then can you please not say gonna? I'm going to. Yes. <laughs> there you go, Amy. I'm going to be a writer. And cause I went to school for, screenwriting and then I went to UCLA for the professional screenwriting program twice and Mm -hmm. for the last year or so after the program was done I had not focused on that at all because I was focusing on editing and money and other things like that but recently I was thinking you gotta make room in your life for the writing so now I've actually gotten back into it I actually have started a new script that I'm working on that actually I've been sharing with some people with the first few pages and I've gotten a lot of positive feedback so far so I'm making time in my day to write at least five or ten pages and right now try to just get through it all and then go back and cut it up and make it more finalized then I can share it for a few filmmaking friends shall we say and see where it goes from there but right now it's because i am making that time and i'm making it an actual goal there's progress for it and that makes me feel very happy and invigorated yeah back mm-hmm. into writing because i love it so much i just makes you feel like a badass yeah, right makes You're me like, feel yeah, like a badass yes done. i've just been very <laughs> scared of both the positive and the negatives is something i've been mm-hmm. realizing the last a uh, few weeks or so during this quarantine is that I'm very scared of some stuff, good and bad, and maybe mm-hmm. that's why it's holding me back from a couple of things. But I shouldn't be that if that's what I want to turn into a career, right? So just do yeah. it. Just get and up you're and definitely, do it. You're definitely not alone in that. Every single client that comes through my door has some fears around. It doesn't matter if it's a book. It doesn't matter if it's a Facebook cover or a, <laughs> yes. or a website. Like every client who comes through my door has some fears around that going to that next step, taking it to the next level. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think when you're able to be really honest with yourself about why you have those fears and um, how you can overcome them, it just makes it a lot easier to work on Mm -hmm. these actual projects that are kind of like a a catalyst, right? Like they're moving you to the next step. But when you've got, if you've got too much fear bound up in it, Mm -hmm. you're not going anywhere. 
Exactly. Yeah. And so. this is also a genre I've never really done before. So again, I had those fears. I was like, why not? Just do it. Yeah. Do yeah. It. You're not dipping your toe in. You're diving in. I'm diving in at this point. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. Which is awesome. Oh, thank also, you. I wanted I wanted to commend both of you on on your interviews, Chelsea, and and um, all of your uh, your successes, Amy, with with the various films coming out and everything. I was like, whoa, that's freaking cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thank mean, you. it's so funny because when we started this podcast, I was already going through such a transformative period of my life and like really trying to refocus on what I want in life and you know when we set out to do this we said I want to cut out the clutter you know what do I got to do to meet my goals and and it's all happening it's all happening it's amazing Mm -hmm. what happens when you do really refocus Mm -hmm. and make that commitment to hold yourself accountable Mm -hmm. and you know Get up. I mean, early it really is true. Like we make time for the things that we that are priorities to us, and everything else sort of just falls by the wayside. So mm-hmm. right, <laughs> I've gotten better at being constructive, positive, and not let the demons that like to bring me down negatively um, just make oh, me yeah. feel sad and depressed. Because that was the normal cycle, and now I'm. We need to get you over. a machete. <laughs> yeah, so you can cut you down a, those You need demons. an inner cheerleader to tell your inner critic to shh. STF I was you. a cheerleader for two years of my life, actually, in high school. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, just you know, find her again, and then <laughs> I don't know and if give I her find... a machete. <laughs> so, Margaret, what is the most challenging part about designing someone's book cover? Um, to be honest. The most challenging part can be actually the mindset of the client. Um, I know that sounds weird, but no, not all. I I know my craft, and I'm I'm not trying to sound cocky, but I know my craft. I've been doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing. I understand the emotional motivations behind why people are buying and how I can trigger those with visuals. That's mm-hmm. my job. Um, what can get in the way of that sometimes is when a client is really, really, really focused on what they want instead of what their customer wants. Mm. And there is, unfortunately, I'll get on my soapbox again for a minute. There is unfortunately this, um, what do you want to call it? Like a narrative out there that a lot of branding experts and designers and stuff are selling where they're like, Hey, if you like cosmically align with your design and stuff, other people will flock to you. And it's like, yeah, no, that's not how it works. (laughs) Right. Right. Like that's totally not how it works. Um, it just, it's, it's more about, um, understanding the intangible elements of the thing that you're producing Mm -hmm. and knowing how to turn those into visuals that compel people to buy. Right. Um, and, and, and then, and then actually targeting those people, um, (laughs) like actually trying to communicate with them. They really don't, it's again, not to sound harsh, but they really don't care about whether you like your book cover or not. They care about whether they like your book cover or not. Mm, So that's the biggest challenge actually that I run into is I have, I do have some clients who come in and they feel if they like their branding, then other people will like their branding. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily the case. If your target market doesn't have 
you know, everything in common with you, then you need to consider what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So that that actually is my biggest challenge is working people through that process so that they understand that it's not about what they want. It's about what their customer wants. No, I mean, I think we've all dealt with clients that um, have been like, no, 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 do this, do that. But then you being the expert in your field will mm-hmm. know kind of like five edits or sessions oh. ahead being like, no, this is not going to turn out. I really think we should go this way. But because the client's like, no, 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 we're going to do this you kind of have to sometimes follow through until they realize their own mistakes and then go back. And so I've done it a lot with like editing, especially with clients. And Absolutely. Like, no, through this way. So I understand the whole getting through the client mindset and be like, this actually won't work this way. You need to see the right. bigger picture. So I totally understand that. And it, and it is a complete, like it's a, it's a freaking blessing when you get someone who does get that right mm-hmm. from the start, because oh, it yeah. just, it creates so much fewer obstacles to getting that really good thing that you know you can give them in the end. Yes, right. exactly. You know, it can be frustrating when you're like, I know I could make something amazing for you if you, you would just get out of your own way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let collaboration happen, which is a big Yeah, thing I totally. So I have a little... But that takes a lot of trust too, and I understand that. And especially like, you know, I have had clients who've gotten burned before by other people. And so I get it. You have to build that rapport yeah. and that trust with them so that they understand that you know what you're talking about and you have like, you know, the best intentions to guide them to the best thing that you can. Exactly. So I, I have a little hypothetical exercise oh I'd like mm-hmm. to suggest. So since we're talking about publishing... If we should describe to Margaret something we could see ourselves going through with publishing in the future and get her first impression feedback on what our artwork would look like. Interesting. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I won't lie. I have had a couple ideas that I thought maybe turning into novels. So... There's that. <laughs> so you're looking at publishing a book. Okay. Yes. What's the genre? It would be um, sci-fi drama. Okay. Uh, this. Oh my gosh. Actually, wait, there's, there's space two. sci-fi, no. creature sci-fi, robot sci-fi, actually. robot sci-fi. Okay. Is it be in a, it would be in a set in the future where society has converted into uh, like kind of bicentennial beings. Like they came from humans, but they are, become robots and is it post-apocalyptic at all or no not really it's no apocalypse just future just future futuristic yes and it gets to a point where there's rarely there's there's believed to be no humans left at all it's just centennial beings living on forever and there's a rebel girl who ends up discovering that there is a secret human race and that they are finding out that the mayor of the entire city is planning to do a whole conversion of basically making everybody obey to his will and they'll lose free freedom and freedom and all that stuff so they have to fight back and she has a time limit because she removes the one thing that will keep her alive and she only has 48 hours to do so i still have to think of a name for it but and get a more shorter elevator pitch but that's an idea I've been playing around with as a potential novel idea for a while. So, hmm. um, go go back for me for a second. Your main character is she a robot or is she a human? Uh, she, 
They're kind of hybrids. Hybrid, it sounds like, like. An an hybrid. Yeah, hybrid. Okay. Like she, she was, she was born human, but became like an android or bicentennial. Like a certain implant made them a bionic woman. Bionic woman in a way, in a sense. Okay. Yeah, I forget the exact term, but yeah, she is a teenager, forever seventeen, eighteen, bionic woman. And okay, so this is going to be YA. Yeah. Would you yeah. say that's that sounds yeah, appropriate I, for Chelsea? I, I, I do go. For she more tends to the, to the YA. I tend to okay. the YA, even though I'm working around expanding that horizon. But yeah, robot um, futuristic, and then human race. Uh, I always imagine the male lead to be a redhead boy. I don't know why, but I always imagine him to be redhead. That's a very strange <laughs> choice for a leading man, but okay. <laughs> well, he's human, so. Hey, Ed Sheeran gets it, man. Yes, he's- there we go. She gets it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, um, so Future City, Bionic Woman in her teens, and then, yeah. And I assume that there are probably cultures, like subcultures oh. around the Bionic people and then the people who are still fully human, mm-hmm. like kind of like how they operate within their own little bits of society. Because they're living, up. am I understanding right, they're living apart? They're, they're, they are secret, so they're hidden underground. They're not, there's supposed right. to be no humans alive at all. It's just, okay. yeah, so gotcha. they're, like, hidden underground and they're in secret, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to mind, actually, and I don't know if you'll like it or not, but mm-hmm. we'll see. This is the test, right? No, go ahead. Um, <laughs> is um, I am reminded of the, the Vitruvian man um, that Da Vinci did, where it's the guy with his, his yes. the legs and the arms out and everything. Um, something, not that specifically, but something in that vein in that vein combining the robot and the human um anatomy basically and then like zoom in on that or something like no i I like where your head's at because of course the first thing i think of is like the city and the girl and the guy but no i i like that direction or maybe like um Maybe maybe like zoomed way in, like you can see an eye, and it's a it's a it's a robot or a bicentennial person, whatever. They're saying they've got they've got both they've got like skin on one side cre- and maybe maybe creepy features because they're they're combined, um, and you can see in their eye, you can see in the reflection of their eye, you can see something maybe that's something like a that's lens around or something the world. Like dilating or something. Yeah, or maybe you can see the inner workings of their eye behind mm-hmm. the pupil and the iris. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be super sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Um, and then maybe just have your little redheaded kid somewhere in the background running around, <laughs> <laughs> running around. <laughs> He's a grown male teenage, like like built and strong. I just have just I just always teenage oh, boys okay. are never grown males. <laughs> <laughs> He's got broad shoulders, in my opinion. Okay. Maybe we'll make him 22. He's like forever 18. Okay. <laughs> I like the idea though of the Da Vinci trivia man. I do. I do too. I kind of, I like that as well. Yeah. yeah. That's the first thing that popped in my head because it's really the, the, the thing about robots and humans, the thing, the concept that's there so often is how different and or like, are we really right? Right. Mm-hmm. And down to like skin deep. And so that makes you think of anatomy and that's an anatomical drawing that's like one of the most famous anatomical drawings in the world. So that's what made me think of it. Yeah, no, I, I like that, actually. That's very creative. Yes, you know your craft. So, <laughs> Thanks. All right, Amy's turn. I don't see myself 
ever going through with a full novel. Um, what I would see, though, is maybe me pulling together a collection of my angsty teen poetry at that Chelsea knows I have a giant binder filled with. And in the binder, like almost everyone, it's like I don't just put a piece of paper in the binder that's got like the poetry on it. It's always got some sort of magazine collage or artwork attached to it. And so I would want it to be a very visual book of poetry. But it would all definitely be that angsty teen love, like all of those things that when we're teenagers feel so big and so intense. You know, even the things that aren't romance related, everything is just so intense at that age. Yeah. I mean, I think you've already got such a strong visual story there. I I would not I would not digress from that. Um, you can you could definitely do something along the lines of making it look like a journal with collaged magazine pieces on the cover and like hand, like a very handwritten looking font. Um, because I assume that you hand wrote these poems as opposed to like typing them. Yeah. So like I would use definitely throughout the entire book, I would use like what, uh, what looks like a handwritten font as opposed to, um, you know, more formal lettering. Um, and yeah, I, You could go with something different, but that to me would sell it so fast. Someone would look at that and be like, I know exactly what that is. Right, right. Because we've all been there. We've all been that. that We've all been that teenager. I have that in my box in the attic from when I was 13, right? Exactly. They know what that thing is. I like it. Yep. Makes sense to me. Oh, Margaret, this was so much fun. Yay! I know. I'm sorry we digressed so much and so oh, many times. That's, but you that's guys the way are... these these go sometimes. That's what happens a lot on Hashtag Life Goals, where we branch off into other topics we didn't expect to go, but it's still so much fun. So totally Yeah, you guys are super fun to talk to. Aw, thank you. <laughs> so now it's time for Hashtag Hunt. Can that please be the theme song every single time? That yes. We- yes, <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> that, that's so much better than what I could have ever done. So, yes, uh, as as I've discussed with you, Margaret, I went through Twitter, Instagram, and found some tweets and stuff that had the hashtag publishing uh, title. A lot of it, unfortunately, was a lot of, this is how to do this, and this is how to do that, when what we're looking for is you know, exclamations. We want to find stories. people doing the thing. Exactly. All right, here we go. Receiving a publishing contract in my inbox always feels like a little bit of Christmas in the air. Still closing deals despite everything. Hashtag publishing. And this was actually tweeted a few days ago. So somebody that is still getting publishing deals even during the COVID-19. People are home. I got time to read. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's pretty sweet. That's very sweet. Oh my goodness, my proof copy has arrived from Amazon. It looks so good. I'll try to take a nicer photo when I can finally calm myself down. Ha 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 ha. Hashtag writing community, writing, writers, readers, books, publishing, fantasy. And it is a book that I think is called Lorelei that was also, I think just a few days ago too, uh, Echoes from the, from the Past. And it is a, looks like a YA novel with also some manga drawing on it, which I can share on our Instagram. It looks super cool. Very cool. Well, that's awesome. Congrats. Congrats to you. Here's a fun little tip about Amazon author copies 
for some reason, they feel the need to write author copy on the front of it. So when you get your very first book, it's just watermarked across the front of it. <laughs> I mean, I do see in the photo. That's probably because they don't want you to take it to another publisher to print it out. Exactly. I, I guess see, so. Yeah, there's a band that's on the cover that says "Not for resale, not for resale." Yeah, not yeah, for yeah, resale. yeah. But that's still, but that's still awesome. That's pretty cool. Um, this bookstore has a layout that I can really get behind. I'm sure I can find at least one thing in there that I haven't read. And it's basically a photo of a whole bookstore that is very neatly organized all around. <clears throat> My biggest tip to anyone in this industry is to read what you write slash edit slash publish. This will show you the industry standard as well as highlight what you like and dislike about the genre. Hashtag publishing, editor, writing, writing advice, book publishing, shelfie, shelfies. <laughs> you've got to research. You know, if you're going to write into a particular genre, you've got to know what's out there. You know, what sells? What what do you tend towards? What do you cringe from? Yes. Yeah. People people don't even know. Like, there are, like, there are a lot of genres that have a uh, standard word count. And so, you know, you may write 40K and someone is like, yeah, no, this is supposed to be 80K. So you have to go back and write a whole nother half of your book. Um, so, yeah, doing your research first, super important. Nice. Um, just notice that I, I intentionally have three books in a row with girl in the title. Do we think this girl slash woman slash wife trend will ever end? Still seeing them pop up on pub lunch. What should the next book title be? Please don't say pandemic. Hashtag writing community, <laughs> hashtag publishing. And she literally has three books in a line and a photo. I think that's the girl with the, I can't read it. There's the girl with the G something. I think girl the like a bomb and then the girls all in a row. <laughs> so apparently she has a specific genre that she likes or a specific title. <laughs> Either that or her books are just, you know, alphabetically. Exactly. That's, that's something that I do sometimes too. It can be hard to come up with a good title. I usually don't. When I write, I usually cannot come up with the title until I am completely done with the piece. Oh, yeah. no. And I I usually hone in on like one little tiny but important. Like it's got to be really important, like pivotal, but it can be a really small detail. And that's how I usually choose my title. Rosebud. Rosebud. Yeah, no. That's a... <laughs> No, it, no, I understand that completely because sometimes when I'm writing pieces, uh, I will have the title immediately in my head. But other times, I like the new script I'm working on, I don't have anything in my head. All it's right now, its title is Beach Sci-Fi until I figure it out. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a sci-fi thing set at like a beach island where there's it's chaos that happens. <laughs> Moving forward. Nice. Yeah, I have a I have a piece that I wrote a while ago. So I really love writing short fiction. Um, I just, I just like the format because it forces you to be really concise and really like really thoughtful with your diction and your word choice and everything. Um, and I wrote a piece, it's about a boy who's 15, 16 and he's in Dublin and this girl comes to the, the nunnery that's there and they end up, you know, having a little fling and it's like a summer fling and his, that's, a nunnery. that's the only good, 
it's the only good thing in his life is just that little summer fling. Cause every, cause it's the, I can't even remember when I said it as I wrote this thing so long ago, I think I said it in the 1800s or the early 1900s. So his life's like rough, you know, he's not, it's not easy and he's poor. And the whole story, I, I start the story off with his dad kicks him awake and tells him to empty the piss pot. And then the end of the story he kicks him awake and tells him to empty the piss pot. And that's what it's called. It's called, it's called Aiden's piss pot. (laughs) The first intro line really gets you hooked and be like, Oh, this life is completely shitty for this boy. (laughs) Yeah. I want you to know right away that it's pretty terrible. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Excited to announce my research paper, unmasking the hunter an exploration of predatory publishing has been accepted for publication in the Journal of Scientific, Scientific Practice and Integrity. Be looking for it soon with a lot of celebration emojis. Hashtag research integrity. Hashtag publishing. So, yeah, there's that format All of right. publishing research papers, which is always very interesting. And then I think the last one... <clears throat> Like all seemingly giant tasks or difficult undertakings, writing a book is a matter of taking it one small step at a time. From the outside, it almost seems like an impossible task, but there are plenty of steps you can take to get started. They do their hashtag of like, you can learn more about here, but we'll glaze over that. And I am writing, hashtag writers of Instagram, hashtag publishing. And it's just a very nice laid out photo of a book on top of a tub. And, you know, enticing people to get drawn in and learn more. About you don't see those uh, tub shelves very often anymore. No, you don't. You don't. Those I... used to be a real big thing. So you have to, you know, <laughs> set your glass of wine on it, your yeah. book. Yeah. And then I just thought this photo was really cool, which I also show on Instagram. There is a book shelf inside a staircase. That oh, yeah. That somebody made. That was really cool. So I'll have to show you these photos, uh, Margaret. Have you ever been to the last bookstore? I've heard so much about it. I wait a minute. It's in downtown LA. Maybe I don't know for sure. I've it's heard a so very much about cool it. place. I've heard a lot about it, but I might be confusing it with another bookstore that I went to that I remember filming for a specific project when I did Elon in LA. So I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. Have you seen those those articles that show like famous book uh, libraries around the world, and it's like it's basically book porn. Yes, because it's just—it's just so, just so many books. Every avid reader wants Bell's Library. That's just yes, yes, yes. I was just about to say it's like the library in Beauty and the Beast. I wanted that so bad when I was a kid. Uh, I used to spend so much time in the downtown library of San Francisco. It was just such a cool building. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, in high school, uh, my friends would always go to the library after school. And I realized that later that's what they were doing. So to join in and not feel excluded, I would always join with them and go to the library. And we would do some work, but we also would hang out and talk in a specific quiet room that was designated for us. And we just talked about whatever we wanted and we helped out with the library here and there but we mainly it was our main hangout spot so I'm starting to feel like that we're gonna need to bring on my friend who is a librarian ah nice we'll have to we'll have to to put an episode for her 
Yeah, right, because that's... there's like a completely different, that's like a completely different world of like what libraries expect out of your book. So For she sure. could definitely. Well, yeah. I just remember when she, she, when she graduated college and, you know, when she graduated in library sciences, I'm like, you have to go to school for that? I'm like, don't you just like stand at the desk and like tell people where to find oh. books? And apparently there's a lot more yeah, to it. No, one of my friends yeah. from uh, from college, she just recently became a librarian and she had to go through the same process of going into school and learning all about. So I was like, interesting. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Well, that's it for hashtag hunt. Woohoo. Fabulous. And now time for challenges. Yes. Challenges. So, Margaret, what is the challenge you would like to give Amy and I to do until we record our challenge recap, which might be some time because of COVID-19. It could be anything you want. It could be for both of us, something different, but yeah. It's not so much a challenge as just a, a mini course on the six elements of great book cover design. Um, so basically, and you guys said you've got some, some sort of graphic design you know, a bit of background in that already. So it may not be anything that's terribly new to you, but it's basically, it's an educational piece to help clients understand why their cover needs certain elements and why you're choosing this font and that color and this person to be on the cover and things like that. So, um, I have a recommendation for upping our challenge. Oh my goodness. Amy. Okay. So we're going to both take her mini course on great book cover design, right? Mm -hmm. And then we're going to take the ideas she gave us for our future publishing and we're going to go ahead and make a mock oh, of our future yes. book covers. Oh my gosh, I want to see it. We're going to take what she taught us today and then what we learned from the course. And we're going to combine them and come up with our first mock cover. I need to up my Photoshopping skills. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if you draw it. I'm well, no, don't drawer. draw it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm like, your writing is so bad. I can't imagine your drawings any <laughs> oh better. Place that looks that's beautiful. With, that's with a paintbrush. No, it's not. I've done mixtures of like pastels and crayons and pencils and pens. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Getting a little heated here. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> here's the thing. That is an awesome add-on to the challenge, Amy. I'm just a little nervous because I haven't used Photoshop really well in a long time. But luckily, I do have some aerial friends that know how to use it. So maybe I can ask for their tips because I would love to create there myself. There you go. But I need... A little help here and there regarding some specific techniques. I'm going to challenge myself to use Illustrator because okay. I'm trying to get better Illustrator. And so that's really the best program for like doing the layout uh -huh. kind of stuff. So either way, if you guys actually publish those things, when you guys actually publish those things and you go to if you go to a, a cover designer and you have some sort of mock up like that, that you've been thoughtful about and really like, you know, thought about your themes and everything and how to introduce them into the, the, the cover, they're going to love you. They're going to love you if they don't walk away. Okay. They're going to love you for that. 
So even if it's not the most beautiful thing in the world, like just having a good designer should be able to look at that thing and say, okay, now I can see what it is that's in their head and use that as a jumping off point. Right. Like I've designed all of my tattoos, but they're still not fully my designs. They're the uh, the tattoo artist designs because Mm -hmm. I would take in my design that I'd been drawing over and over again for months and I'd be like, here's what I made. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, all right. And they would take it in the back and like a half hour later come out and it would be like, here is my interpretation of that or my version of that. That takes then mm-hmm. all of their artistic skill and what they know works on the body. Yeah. And because I gave them something to start from, it was really easy for them to find something I would fall in love with. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Exactly. So Margaret, where can our fans find you? Um, my website is www.margaretcogswell.com. I will spell it because my name is weird. It's M-A-R-G-A-R-E-T-C-O-G-S-W-E-L-L. And when you get there, there's a big old picture of me on the front, so you can't miss it. <laughs> and you can follow all of us at... Life Goals Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yes. And then we gmail.com. Yes, we do. We do have our own email address. So if you guys have any suggestions or things you would like would us to We'd love to hear from you. Yes, we would. So please let us know. Alrighty. Well, thank you again, Margaret, so much for coming on. It's been an absolute blast having you on the podcast i've giggled a lot more than i thought i would and now my cheeks hurt so now i have to de-stress and now she's gonna have to go and be a statue all day and exactly. just like so she doesn't get wrinkles exactly so I'm, I'm gonna have to have a dead face when i'm editing later on today for work so this is just tape tape the corners of your mouth down to the underside of your chin <laughs> that would be such a lovely photo i'll have to showcase that later i love it all right guys well that's all for today. Until next time, I'm Amy Covell. And I'm Chelsea Lingo. And you've been listening to Hashtag Life Goals. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.